Welcome to another episode of Loud Pipes. Grab a beverage and join us as we talk about all things relating to motorcycles, the riding experience, and other motoring adventures. And now your host for this episode, Rich Warfield, John Maracle, and Brother Bacon. Loud Pipes, episode 186. We have a special guest in the house tonight. And we think the topic will probably get a little vintage as we go on. Uh, John has probably ridden halfway to the coast at this point. Bacon bought a new motorcycle, and I'm staying away from the hacksaw. <laughs> Johnny John, Spider Silk, the riding fool. How are you, man? <laughs> I'm doing well. Halfway to coast. No, Rich, unless I had a boat. Oh, wait. This week has been just all rain. This week, you're headed north this weekend. This weekend, I'm heading north. Coming up. That's right. That's right. All right. Going to go, going to go visit some friends and family. So the road trip, the road trip. Little you, road trip for. Are you drinking today? tonight, my man? Are you drinking? I am drinking tonight. And I, and I'll give you a little thing here. Gettysburg. Oh, 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 lay it on me. What did we do at Gettysburg, there, Rich? Gentleman Jack, I thought we did. As I was cleaning up some cabinets today, I found a little bit of Gentleman Jack. And I figured, well, why not drink it on tonight? Ooh-wee. Now straight, or are you cutting it with something? No, I'm drinking it straight, right out of the bottle. <sighs> Holy Separate cow. Separate the plate tonight for bacon. I wouldn't do that to bacon. <laughs> Holy cow. <laughs> so halfway through the show, if I'm lit and I'm not here, you know where I'm at. 10 4. 10 on the floor. All right. Well, since you're doing it for bacon, how are you, brother Bacon? Oh, I'm doing wonderful. How you doing, Rich? Doing well, doing well. Can't wait to get to this one. I think we're going to have a good time tonight. Yeah. You know what? I'm excited for it as well, sir. So uh, what are you drinking? Oh, no. You first. Please. I, I insist. Oh, you insist on me. Well, Price an IPA. Actually, well, there is an IPA in the mix. Oh, oh, dear. <laughs> oh, oh dear great well i'm gonna go ahead uh, uh, uh so i right now i am currently celebrating a new job uh Rest. same line of work uh just new company uh definitely better pay and uh, opportunities to move up and stuff so i'm kind of celebrating a little bit you know the night before monday <laughs> yep yep i know how that goes Bacon, did you bring? Are you having some of that stuff you brought to the camp? No, no, I'm not, sir. Okay, it's something else, something from my homeland. Um, I'm drinking a little, uh, real quick, a, a quick shot of uh, Casa Amigos. What is Why? that? It's just a tequila. Oh, okay. <laughs> just, just one shot though. Just one shot. I'm not going to get too crazy tonight. <laughs> And then uh, I'm going to follow it up with a nice Elysian Space Dust. Oh, I love that one. I love that one. Yeah. So. Well, you enjoy that. I will. Thank you very much. So, and so, therefore, yourself, sir. All right. Well, this, I'm going out on a limb here because last time I had this one, I ended up with a headache. So this is the last shot for trying this one. So this is the Honey Pie Double A, the Honey Pie Double IPA. And this is from, who are these guys? This is from Charlotte. Birdsong. It's a Birdsong beer. It's in a can. It's 8.9%. So 
But if it gives me a headache, I'm not getting any more. Be done with it. <laughs> done with it. <laughs> well, it sounds like it might be good. And we'll follow it with water. It's very easy to drink. I mean, for nine, almost a 9% beer and a double IPA, which can get a little, it can get that spicy. alcohol burn if it gets a little too heavy. But this is very, very easy drinking. Cool. Well, good, good, good. All right. Without further ado, let's bring in our special guest. So I want to introduce Mike Grady. He is a technical expert and does some writing for Motorcycle ID. He's owned, I think, over 20 motorcycles at this point and has been riding for about 50 years. So we're going to have all kinds of stories. So, Mike, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me. How you doing, everybody? Uh, not quite 50 years. Uh, I think it's 48. Yeah, 48. 48. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, don't make, don't make me older than I already am. We can round <laughs> it up for bragging rights if you want. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we know uh, you, you had a beverage earlier, which was a good one, correct? Yeah, but after hearing what you guys are drinking, geez, I, I, I you know, I mean, uh, I think the alcohol content of what I was drinking was somewhere down in the between four and five, but I guess, I guess that's why they call it all day IPA. You know? That's right. That's right. Continuous flow. Yeah. That's a good one though. I, they sell that and it's weird. It's like an 18 pack around here, which is neat. Little yeah. suitcase. Yeah, we have uh, we have a fifteen pack, and the thing that's strange about it is the the the, the cans are much cheaper than the bottles. And uh, you know, I mean, you know, the old days of uh, stigma with cans and stuff. What with the nine cans and stuff, that's that's all out the window. So I don't really understand it, but I'm not going to complain. It's good stuff. Good stuff. All right. Well, let's start with motorcycle ID a little bit. If you could tell us. A little bit about what you do there, and and we'll take it from there. Well, uh, motorcycle ID is is an offshoot of uh, car ID. That was our original uh, stores. Uh, we have uh, car uh, motorcycle ID, power sports ID, boat ID. We have uh, several other stores all under the street ID umbrella. And I started working for car ID about nine years ago, and uh, I write uh, product category descript, uh, technical descriptions, uh, product descriptions, uh, marketing copy. Uh, I do scripts for, you know, the, some of the, the videos that you'll see on our site. Mm -hmm. Um, I've, I'm, I've basically made my living in the automotive industry my whole life. Uh, motorcycles have always been my hobby really uh, with the advent of motorcycle ID, which was roughly about two years ago. Uh, this was the first time I've had the chance to do anything, uh, you know, professionally, um, as far as with motorcycles. So I've done some writing, you know, for the site and, uh, you know, as I alluded to earlier, I've, I've done, you know, some articles, you know, through our, you know, public relations firm and, uh, things like that. But, uh, I pretty much write, you know, whatever they ask me to do. And, uh, you know, I, I, I generally don't get any complaints. So, you know, <laughs> nice. so. But I mean, I, I'm a technical writer by trade. The, the the copywriting and that kind of stuff was kind of new to me, but you know, I adapted pretty well. So keeps you busy and and yeah. at home nowadays, like everyone. Yeah. Well, I was I was kind of the exception to the rule there because I was already working at home four days a week. I would only go in the office one day. I, I've been doing this for about five years now. So. Like nice. to me, um, I mean, I miss going in and, you know, seeing all my friends and colleagues and touching base with everybody, you know, that one day. And, uh, you know, 
even with all this electronic media, sometimes there's just no substitute for a face-to-face conversation. Um, but um, it, it hasn't been as much of an adjustment, I guess, for me as it's been for other people. Yeah, the biggest thing for me is I was, most of my riding, except for track days, was down to commuting. So now that I don't, I don't have to go to the office, I'm not riding as much, which is the biggest negative for me. So. Looking, oh, yeah, well, yeah, that, that. That too, that too with me. Yeah. <laughs> so while, uh, since we mentioned riding to work, what are you riding nowadays? My daily, I guess you would say my everyday rider is a uh, 2003 uh, Road King Classic. Nice. Um, uh, now, is it still set as an 88 or did you happen to kick up the CCs on that a little bit or? It, it's a, it's a 95 now. I went with the stage one kit. Um, you know, which is just the 95 cubic inch jugs and the, um, I guess it's like the first stage, uh, cam. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I got a, I got a set of Reinhardt slip-ons and, uh, a dyno, um, um, computer, uh, or power commander, I guess, I, I guess that's what they're called. Um, but the, the remainder has just been, uh, I upgraded to led lights and I've done the usual, you know, Chrome stuff. Um, uh, but other than that, um, you know, oh, and, 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 uh, uh, changing out the brake pads was one of the best things I ever did too. <laughs> I, mean, uh, oh, I, I, was, I was used to bikes that stopped, you know, and then I got this and it was like, Whoa, you know, uh, but, uh, yeah, it, it helped, it helped a lot. Uh, when I upgraded, I'm trying to, I can't remember which ones that I went with, but, uh, are they big, Harley lights or aftermarket? I went with the Harley lights because when I started doing it, I've had this bike, I guess, about eight years now. And I and that was one of the first things that I did because, uh, you know, I, I like to be able to see at night, you know. And with my commute, especially when you would talk about earlier in the year or later in the year, you know, I'd be, I'd be riding in the dark. And uh, the LEDs, what a, what a huge improvement. But there really wasn't that much on the market at the time, you know, when I started. I mean, now – yeah, now I mean, there's a dozen, right? Right, we, and we we sell a lot of the stuff, but there was so I went with I went with the Harley stuff, and uh, it's worked out great. I I didn't go with the because of the classic. I kind of like the classic look, so I went with the reflector headlight, which isn't as good as the projector. But I thought the projector was just kind of didn't look right. It wouldn't 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 look right on the classic with the style, I mean? yeah, style. So well, the and, nice thing now is you can get them. From what I've seen, you can get the bezels that are all blacked out, so you don't really get that projector feel out of it. You know, it's not as it's right. not as modern because they just black out the housing. Right. Yeah. I'm. You're. You're right because what I'm thinking of is what Harley offered at the time, and I looked at that and I'm like, no, nah, that's that, that's <laughs> that's not Road King Classic style. No way. So. And, and they're proud of them too, price wise. <laughs> From what I remember. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They they got plenty of my money. <laughs> Uh, so what did you ride before that? You said you were used to bikes that stopped. So now I'm curious. Well, I've, you know, I've had so many different bikes. I mean, you know, when I was younger, it was more or less, you know, for economic reasons, it was like, you know, you know, if I wanted to get something different, I had to sell what I had. It was only once I got later in life that I was able to have multiple bikes, you know, like I do now. But, uh, uh, I've, you know, 
I was used to riding BMWs for years. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, uh, I mean, they stopped great and all. I, I mean, I think with the Harley, you know, not to really get down on it too much, but I think it was the combination of maybe the pad material they were using and the and just the weight of the bike. You know, I've never had a bike. You're saying they're fat. It's heavy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, they don't but, call them hogs for nothing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I, I, I hear all the stuff that, that, that people say. I mean, I... I never had, this is my first Harley. I never had one before. I do have a Buell, you know, has a Harley engine, but, uh, nice. this, Very nice. this was, this was my first Harley. I always wanted one and, uh, I liked the look of the classic. I mean, I get the white wall tires and the spokes and everything. It was just something that I had never had always wanted. And, uh, it, it kind of suits the kind of riding that I do these days, you know, um, you know, I don't want to make it seem like I'm an old fart, but my, my days of, uh, you know, uh, super extra legal speeds and, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, grinding foot pegs and stuff. They're, they're, they're in the rear view mirror. So <laughs> yeah. Bacon rides a, a Dyna fat Bob for now. That's 2000. It's a 2006 with the 95. There you go. Oh, yeah. And I had yeah, a, so- I had a soft tail deuce that was, um, what was that? That was 96 cubic inch out of the box. That was 96. Yep. And I, I, I have to say, I miss that bike. Cause there's just something about riding it. There, there's no other feeling like it. And even though I have two sport bikes now that are much quicker and stop better and all that stuff, but I just, something about riding that bike, it just, it's visceral, you know, it gets into you. Yeah. It's, it's, it's something that, uh, I had never experienced before. And once I did, I, w- I could kind of understand what people were talking about all those years. Yep. Oh no, there's a, uh, it, it's, it's always hard to explain. No one can really truly explain it. Um, you can ride all sorts of different bikes. It's, it's the feeling that a Harley gives you that no other bike doesn't matter how close to Harley they get it's still not Harley and it, I, it could be, it could be in the shake of it. I don't know. It just, how it rolls, how it feels under you, but it's just there. And a lot of people love to talk down about Harley, but until they actually truly ride one for a, a length of period, not just like a short 30 minute test ride. Yeah. They can't understand. Yeah, I agree. hundred percent. Very nice. Any, uh, any other bikes in the past that, spark up some nostalgia or, or good memories? Oh yeah. Um, when I was looking at this list, I was, uh, well, I don't, I don't want to want to get to that yet because it's not that part of the show yet. Right. So, Oh yeah. Um, eight days a week is going to be good yes. tonight. I have a okay. feeling. Now I would, the, the, I had a, a 78 Ducati Dharma and that was kind of like, I guess you would say the standard version of the 900 SS, Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, you know, same black and gold color scheme, but, uh, and it was the same basic engine. It was, uh, the 900, uh, you know, actually it was, I think it was 864 CCs, but it was the 900, uh, V twin, but it was uh, smaller cam and smaller carburetors. They, I think they were the 32 millimeter Delordos. Uh, but still, I mean, that thing really ran it, it, that was another bike that, that had, it definitely had its own feel and sound to it. And, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was different. You know, that, that, that's one I wish I, I, I still had. Um, I also had a, a Moto Guzzi Le Mans 
And that's probably the bike that I probably modified the most of any bike I ever had. <laughs> um, I had probably three different exhaust systems on it. I had, it started out as an 850. I put a 1000 CC kit on it. I had, um, I don't know if you guys remember, uh, in the eighties, that was kind of like the heyday, I guess, of motor Guzzi racing in this country. Dr. John Whitner, does anybody remember him? No, but when did the Le Mans go out of production? Was that early nineties or was that in the eighties? I, that I, I don't know. I think they went into, I think they went into the nineties and then they started changing the, uh, the names. But in, in the eighties, uh, this guy, Dr. John Whitner, he started out racing a Goodsey and endurance racing, and then he raced it in the battle of the twins and he won the twins championship in 1987. That's about when I had my bike and, um, my dealer was hooked up with uh, a guy who did a lot of his custom engine work up in New York. Uh, it was a company by the name of Raceco. The guy's name was Manfred Hecht and he ported the heads. I put a, uh, I cammed it up. There was a, um, a transcontinental gear drive to replace the chain mm. light and flywheel. Um, I, I had rear sets on it. Um, I, I don't know. I just, I just like went nuts with this thing. Raced it all um, out, right? Race, yeah, race I mean, I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't, I didn't race it, but I mean, it was just uh, for a twin. Um, it, it was, I mean, it, it, it was like a freight train. It was great. I mean, any of my buddies who had uh, BMWs at the time with their one thousands, like a friend of mine had an R one hundred S, and it was just, you know, it was no contest. You know, <laughs> it's like this <laughs> but, isn't even uh, fair. <laughs> yeah, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, there, there was that, and uh, I mean, I, I have had a, a lot of different. I had the first, uh, the first Ninja, the eighty four nine hundred. Um, nice. That 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 bike. I mean, when I think of that bike and what I experienced on that, and I later on I had an FJ twelve hundred too, a Yamaha. When I think of how those bikes felt, and then when I hear about like this, you know, the Kawasaki. Uh, the H2 and the Hayabusa and, mm. and, I, and I see what, hear what they're capable of. I just can't fathom it because to me, those bikes were just, you know, rocket ships, you know? So Death I, on I, two wheels. Yeah. So, uh, but, uh, and like I said, I rode, I rode B, I had two Ks, um, a K100 RS, a K1100 RS. I had, uh, an oil head boxer. Uh, I had, uh, an airhead. I had an R100 GS, the 88, uh, with the black and gold paint scheme. They used to call it the Bumblebee. Also, like the original. Pardon me. I th- I believe it's like one of the originals. Didn't we see one of those, John? What? What? Down in Suchus, two wheels Suchus. Yeah, yeah, we did. We actually saw one still live on the road. This guy was riding it um, down in Suchus, in Suchus, well, Georgia. I, I would- I wish I still had that bike, but for no other reason that I could make a lot more money on it than I did. I don't, I don't know. (laughs) Are you guys familiar with the bring a trailer website? Yeah. Yeah. That's fun. They're getting into a lot more bikes and I can't believe what, what those GSs are. I, I looked at one the other day and this was the blue and white one, which in my opinion, it wasn't as desirable of a, of a paint scheme. And this thing, um, was pretty stock. I had, you know, upgraded mine in a lot of ways and this thing was up at 11,000 and, and, you know, the bidding was still going on. I can't, I mean, I, 
I sold mine and it was not more than maybe, I don't know, five years ago, six years ago. And, uh, I thought I was lucky to get 5,000 for it. Mm. So, and now it's probably 10. Well, it's hard to, it's hard to determine with, uh, with collector stuff. Uh, like I'm also into the, the car hobby too. And like one of the things that we've noticed just in the past couple of years is the way that these uh, trans ams have taken off. I mean, people used to laugh at those things, you know, it's, you know, mock them, you know, with the chicken on the hood oh, yeah. know, that stuff. <laughs> yeah. and now it's like, uh, you know, you, you can't touch them now, you know, they're, they're, they've taken off. It's one of those things where you wish you could go back in time and buy everyone you could mm-hmm. cut your hands on. Yeah. You never, you never can predict what you think is going to be is going to be worth something because in its heyday, you may not recognize it or it comes around as a trend or, you know, a movie might, might feature it or something. And that, that kind of kicks it off. I mean, look at what is it? Eleanor would gone in 60 seconds. That sparked yeah. the whole industry of people rebuilding those things. Yep. Yep. So, yeah. yeah. Now, didn't, didn't you have a, um, what was the BMW you had for the, the battle of the legends? What, what model was that? Or was that a different bike? The one that I had that was closest to what they were riding in the ba- Battle of the Legends was my R100 RS. Ah, uh, that's it. Okay. 97. Yeah, because they, they started out when they had that series in the early 90s. They just had the regular uh, airheads. And then I think it was right around 94, 95 when, that, when the oil head first came out, uh, which was leaps and bounds, uh, you know, uh, an advancement over the old uh, – airhead uh and uh, they started using that in the series and then you could right away see the speeds and the uh, competitiveness really really kick up in the series but yeah that's that's what i had it was basically that was the bike that they were running in that series nice and john isn't that what the fashionista's riding i know she rides an rs it's a newer one but kind of uh yeah one generation back maybe not current one but yeah i think it's a 12 or an 08 1200 RS? Yeah. Sounds about right. Very well, nice. mine had to, mine had to tell a lever, so I don't know how far I know. <laughs> that's that, a, few years, know I, a few years after. Yeah. At one point I know BMW stopped using that, but that's what mine had. Very nice. Brother Bacon, did you want to, you want to go more on bikes or you want to back up a little bit? What are you feeling? Well, I guess if I guess if I had only one question about of all your bikes, what would you call your? I don't know. There probably wouldn't be a favorite, would there? There'd probably be a favorite for each time, for each time of your life, or different style. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I guess I, no. Not. You're 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 right about that because, uh, uh, you know, yeah, at different points in my life, there was there was different things that I, that were more were important to me to get to you know to get out of a bike. Um, the I was doing, I would say probably I was probably doing my most long distance riding when I had uh, most of my BMWs, especially my Ks. Um, so, you know, with that, it was, you know, kind of like all around competence, but especially, you know, something that would work, you know, on the highway. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't I, I mean, uh, two of the bikes that I, well, one of the bikes that I have right now that I haven't rid, actually ridden in a couple of years, cause I have to do some work on it is one of my favorites is my, uh, 71 Norton commando. Um, Ooh. that that's another bike that has its own feel to it. Um, I mean, the riding experience, 
Um, I mean, it not only shifts on the right, but the, the pattern's one up and three down. So uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a whole, uh, you know, it's a it whole It takes different... getting used to you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but it was funny. When I, when I wrote it, I was switching back and forth, I think, between that and uh, the last BMW I had. And, uh, it, you know, I don't know. It, it, it didn't, wasn't really that, I don't know. I, I guess I got used to being able to switch back and forth between it. But, uh, uh, yeah, I, that, that's one that, that, that I still have today, and I don't know, uh, I don't know if I'll ever get rid of it. Um, what about but, modern BMWs? Have you ridden many of the, the newer ones? I have, I have not. Um, I generally don't like to try to tempt myself with stuff that I, that I, that I really should buy. Um, actually, if I would, you know, if I was to buy a new bike and I guess that a lot of it would have to do with the fact that I didn't want to spend a lot of money. Right. Uh, my wife and I are thinking about, uh, buying a house. So we're, we're trying to sock as much money away for that. But, um, I have thought about, I, I kind of, would like to check out those new Royal Enfield 650s. I've I've read good things about them for, you know, and for what they cost, and you know they they seem to be reliable and uh, they're good looking bikes. But I think I would I would want to check out one of those, either the Interceptor or the Continental GT. No, um, those are the new twins. I'd say this is the yeah. twin, right? Yeah, the new twins. Yep. Um, Just a classic looking bike. I I, I love that style. Feel like yeah, you could be I, I transported back thirty years just by jumping on that thing. That's and, what's, and what's cool about them is that uh, people have toyed around with the idea of throwing those into flat track. Oh, really? The six fifty? Yeah. Well, well, they're twins, aren't they? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it fits the bill. Oh, that'd be fun. It could be interesting to see. I mean, Dragon Triumph gonna, and no, a bunch of other no, ones, no, right? Nobody's going to be well. That would that would be really cool, but uh, I mean, nobody's going to beat rule benders like Polaris. But <laughs> are you talking about the Indian? Yeah, yeah. Well, I to, mean, I mean, they, fair, they use the rules. To, they use the rules yeah. to their to their benefit, and I I totally get that. The rules allowed it, so you know, play on. Well, people say that Harley did that uh, for all the years they were on top when they were winning with, you know, AMA Grand National Flat Track, too. So I guess what goes around comes around. Yeah, and it's kind of funny there where where Harley kind of pivoted and they're like, yeah, we're going to we're going to base it on the street bike right at the time when Indians like, well, we're going to develop a race bike from scratch. (laughs) And then, oh, dear, we see how that ended up. Well, I think at this point in time, I think Polaris, I think, has the deeper pockets than they do because of their their varied product, you know, mix. I mean, Indian is just a part of their constellation. So I think, you know, when it comes to wanting to spend money on stuff, you know, as opposed to the motor company where it's like, you know, we sell bikes and that's it. You know, well, I, I should take, I don't take that back, uh, you know, cause some people like to call them the t-shirt company too. So, you know, yeah, well, that's a small, it's a smaller percentage of their money, but yeah, good point. But I think I mean, the they race still, they team, helmets. but isn't the Shoes. race team still run by Vance and Hines though, technically? Yes. And that they've, they've gotten uh dinged for that because, uh, you know, I was reading an article not too long ago where they're saying, you know, flat track is not drag racing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. And is it yeah. really a factory team if it's not like run out of Harley's buildings, you know? 
Right. Anyway. Now there's lots to unpack under there. <laughs> I was going to say, we don't... It's funny. Let's not go down that route. <laughs> when Indian came into Flat Track, we got all excited thinking that we might watch it. And then it was just... It just fizzled. And I, I don't think I've hardly watched one since then. Other than grouse about them winning everything. That's about it. That's as far as we got with following it. But see, that's the thing. It's, it's you know... Back when I was uh, going to flat track races, um, people said the same thing about Harley Davidson. Yeah, you know because they were winning everything. Um, I mean, I don't know if you remember Honda tried with that that CX. They they turned the motor sideways in the frame, and uh, and stuff like that. I mean, uh, Yamaha even got so desperate. I don't know if you uh, guys remember because you know talk about running a a vertical twin. You know they ran the vertical twins. Yep. against Harley and they were generally not, you know, not successful. And, uh, they actually tried, they took their TZ 750 road race motor and put it in a flat tracker and Kenny Roberts rode it in a race. <laughs> and, um, he won the race, I think, but he got off and he said he would never race it again. And of course the AMA promptly banned they it. banned it. Yeah. And, uh, but, uh, yeah. So, I mean, you know, like, that's why I say, you know, what goes around comes around, you know? I mean, I, I'm not disputing, you know, what you're saying as far as like, you know, the, uh, you know, the lack of competitiveness and stuff. I know when I used to go, you know, you knew a Harley was going to win, but it was, it was fun just to watch the racing. Yeah. You know, if the so. racing is good, I guess I'm, I'm less concerned about, you know, who's winning all the races if the racing is good, but if they're just thinking up the show, like, ah, that's, that's no fun. Yeah. No. So what I you're saying it. is like, like NASCAR. <laughs> Oh boy! Oh dear! We're not going <laughs> to unpack that one, Bacon. No, <laughs> we're not even going to go there. Speaking of NASCAR, you you guys are down in the area of uh, Charlotte Motor Speedway, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, it's about thirty five minutes from my house. And that's and uh, and they and of course that's a NASCAR track, right? Yes. Well, I don't. The AMA doesn't doesn't uh, run road racing there anymore, do they? No, they just redid the the road course, and now. I guess they call it the Roval, trademarked Roval, and they've run a NASCAR race on it, but they haven't, they're not doing any, you know, quote unquote road racing. Like with road racing cars, it's just been used for NASCAR as far as I know. Well, after I, I finished talking with you the other day, I, I, I thought, you know, I have to mention a couple of friends of mine and I went down when AMA was, I mean, I don't know if they did it just the one year, if they did it a couple of years, but this was in the early 90s. I remember riding down there and seeing an AMA race at, at that track, a road race. Yeah, the story that we got was that, that a rider got killed and that ended the motorcycle racing there. And I don't know uh, when, but the, someone that I talked to that used to race or be affiliated with racing there said that someone got killed there and that was kind of the end of it. Oh, sorry to hear that. Yeah. Wow. I don't have the, the particulars, but I have not seen or heard of any motorcycle racing there, but it'd be cool if they opened it up as a, as a track day spot because that's close to home and those big high banks would be fun. <laughs> but we got, fl me, we have the flat sideways. track here though. The, the half mile dirt track here, they do. AMA does run the flat track series. No, it's four tenths of a mile, Rich. Is it for only four tenths? Okay, that was a half yeah. mile. Okay. No. See, there I go, stretching the numbers again. Jeez. <laughs> Get your facts down, man. <laughs> TD will take you down. That's why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. 
Oh, that's funny. Well, since we, we kind of got on the, the topic of Harley, I, I want to talk a little bit about industry stuff because I'm, I'm sure Mike, you probably see some things that we might not, um, with, with what you're doing. So, you know, what do you think, I guess this is a two part question. What do you think Harley needs to do to write the ship? You know, if, if we all assume that the ship needs to be righted, then what, you know, what they need to do and then just industry in general, what do you see going on, you know, emerging things and, you know, interest? Well, I think Harley, although, you know, they fired the guy who's basically was tagged with, with this, you know, project to try to attract new riders yeah. thinking that, you know, this is going to be the answer to the problem, you know, bringing in new riders into the fold. Um, but I don't, I don't necessarily think that's, that was a bad thing. Maybe he didn't go about it the right way. Um, but I mean, personally, I think, um, they, they messed up when they, they killed Buell. Because I think Buell was the perfect, uh, would have been, if it had been run right and managed right, yep. that would have been the perfect, um, you know, you know, vehicle. Yeah, imagine imagine if Buell kept going and we were now in our third or fourth generation of some of those bikes. Can you imagine what those things would be like? Oh, oh yeah. I mean, crazy. I, I mean, I have a Buell. I have an, I have uh a, a 95 S2 Thunderbolt, which was kind of a transition model from the ones that he was hand building. This was, I think, when Harley had like 50% share, and they were just starting to maybe do some more things on the assembly line. But at the same time, it still has a lot of the custom, yep. you know, like the machining of the triple tree and things like that, where you could see that, you know, this isn't something that was just, you know, stamped out. Um, the S threes actually became more, you know, assembly line like that, 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 uh, um, came after them. But, uh, I remember, you know, going into, you know, and like I said that, uh, you know, I didn't have a Harley at the time and Harley dealers were kind of a foreign place to me, but I remember going in there and you were treated like the, the redheaded stepchild, you know, you go in there, you know, you know, uh, do you have any, oh, you know, they kind of <laughs> snicker and point you to the corner. Yeah. It's like, oh, you know, there's, one over yeah, there. there's stuff over there or whatever, or, you know, you, you wanted to get something from, you know, a part or something at the counter and the guy give you a kind of cross-eyed cause he had to go and, you know, get this other catalog out, you know, or whatever. But, you know, that was one of the things that was, you know, not, not trying to like, you know, kick them when they're down, but, uh, I was in my, Harley dealer, um, what, right around the time when they were talking about the live wire and I just was in the mood to, you know, try to get into it with one of the salespeople. And I basically <laughs> said, well, how are you, you going to sell this thing? Huh? <laughs> you know, are, are you really going to be in behind it or are you going to treat it like you treated the Buells? You know, what are you going to do? Yeah. You know, that was my, and, t my take with live wires. If the dealers don't support it, this thing is DOA, you know, talking about the live wire. And I think that's that's a big part of their problem. I think they have a lot of dealers that are just staffed and they're I don't know whether they're just stuck in the old days or they just don't want to change or or what, but uh you know, I think that's that's a, a big part of their problem regardless of what they do at at the corporate level. And now they have this new guy in. Um he he's an outsider from what I understand. He his his claim to fame was he turned Puma around. I don't know what that's got to do with a motorcycle, but um 
I don't, I don't know for, you know, now you're starting to hear uh, winds like, Oh, we're, you know, it's another one of these. We're going to concentrate on our core business again. Uh, well, isn't that what got you into this trouble in the first place? But you know, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe the problem is not new riders, but maybe it's something that new riders want or, or a choice, you know, not necessarily what they want, but you know, how about a choice in the lineup? You know, cause if you don't want a big V twin, then what are you going to get a medium V twin? Well, I think, I think they're, they're in kind of a, a difficult position because for so many years it was like, you know, we're the American motorcycle company by American or whatever. And now I think the only way they're going to be able to be competitive with like an entry level bike. And I think they're already having some things built. I forget whether it's in China or India, um, by, uh, uh, one of these companies that also builds bikes for, I think this, the same company that's building Benelli's. Yeah, as as an example, um, I think that's in Thailand. But, yeah, but I think it's India. Is it India they're doing the the plants out of? I, I that's I what I that's India. what I I thought it was, or 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 China. But I mean, you know, there's another thing where like if you built bring a bike like that into the into the states, you know, and have it, you know, where it's maybe priced competitively or priced at a point where you know you're going to be able to appeal to an entry level rider. I mean, you know, and then then what are you going to have as far as, uh, you know, a foreign Bill Harley? I don't know. I, I think sometimes maybe they're just in a, in a you know, a no-win situation in some cases. Yeah, I think that's, I don't know. I think personally that's going to be a tough sell. I mean, if if you want to bring some of the parts from overseas and assemble them, assemble them in the U.S., I think that's fine. And I think they do some of that now to a degree, but. Man, oh, their CP, their EPUs are actually made in Mexico, I believe. Yeah, but I don't know about building a bike in another country and bringing it in, selling it as a Harley. I think that's going to be a tough sell. Just personally, I think that's a tough sell. I think it's a tough sell for current, personally. You like, like, like you're for for quote unquote your baby boomer riders. You know the ones that are diehard. Oh, it's made in America. Done. But you, oh, when you're talking about your younger generation, your younger generation, your younger generation doesn't care, right? And I think that's where they're missing the mark is that they're like they're still worried because as of currently, still their bread and butter are quote unquote the boomers. Yeah, well, and their and, and their touring bikes are fantastic. I mean, that's I don't oh, want to take are. anything away from those, and that's I mean, we know by looking at the numbers, that's the biggest sellers. But you know, at some point, you're going to have to branch out. I mean, you can't just wait for everybody to get to where they want a a big touring bike. Well, and so you make your smaller, lighter bikes and all your new styles out of the country, bring them in. That's fine. I mean, you can make a, you could possibly make a few of those here. Right. Um, but let's face it, the United States, when you're really talking about it, it's more big CCs. You know, yeah, uh, because there's a lot more space to cover when you're living in a place the size of less than I don't know, Florida. Well, you know, you don't, and you don't maybe the disease. maybe the live wire does crack open something new for them. I mean, if that if it does take off and they're able to sell it, and then you have different versions of that, that could be their opening to something different because the the bike is really well done from everyone that oh, I've talked to, oh, and even you maybe. wrote it, Bacon. It's it's fantastic, right? Oh, oh you amazing. wrote it? I did. I did. I actually wrote the new one, and I actually saw one out in the, in the wild. Nice. Like, 
Like it wasn't like it was like seven thirty in the morning going up I twenty four. Like that definitely was not a test ride. <laughs> yes, I, I I did see I did see one as you as you say in the wild and and I had uh, this was in one of the first days when it was actually warm up here and I had the windows down in my truck and it sounded like something like one of those. Um, uh, those, those those speeders from Star Wars or something was I thought what what is that coming oh, up yeah. oh. I looked and there and there it is uh, that that was a little disconcerting as far as the sound but you know I mean it looked great oh it's a it's a stunning bike you know and when you get I mean when you get over the sound like it's it's so amazing. If you honestly, I, I I tell everybody this: if you get a chance to ride it, do it, because it will blow your mind. And if you got the money, it will blow your wallet too. <laughs> well, that, well, that, that's that's the other issue with that. I I don't know if they're, I mean, because you see this uh, zero motorcycle, which I guess probably, I don't know, is it seems to be one of the more established electric uh, bike companies that are out there. And yep. uh, I think I was reading about uh, one of the latest models they had. And I think even with uh, the longer range, I think uh, uh, battery or the faster, I forget whether it was that or it was uh, the faster charging setup, uh, which was the top of the line. I think that was still only around 22. Yeah. And, and the live wire is what, what, 29, 30? Yeah, about 30. Yeah, 30. Um, and I think what you're talking about is um, their adventure model. I can't remember what it's called. Well, it's the new, I think it's the SR is their new model. Is it the SR? Yeah. Okay. Either way, uh, I do know, I've, I remember I saw one at work one day. Um, somebody had it on their RV because they were traveling across the country and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I asked them how much they liked it. They're like, you know what? It's a fun bike. The real thing I hate about it is charging it. Yeah. And that's going to be, and honestly, across the board, it doesn't matter what you charge. Like, I mean, if you charge 10000 unless you can get it down to like $10,000, $15,000 per bike done. Yeah. It's really not going to kick off until the battery technology gets to where you could ride the stupid thing for 500 miles. Yeah. I think until you can charge it in less than a half hour, no one's going to put up with that. Not on a long trip anyway. No. Well, it's, it's the same. I mean, you know, at work, that's, that's another topic of, of conversation we had because in the car world, you know, because, you know, the electric is even more so in there. Um, And it's the same thing, you know, it's uh, people worrying about range, charging time, um, so, but yeah, it's, it's, you're exactly right. It's the battery technology. Yeah. Um, and I think for, I think for commuting, they make a ton of sense. Like we've talked before that, uh, my office has charging at work that's free. So it would make perfect sense to ride my 32 miles to work, throw it on the charger, ride at home. And you're essentially paying nothing to charge it. So with little maintenance and stuff like that, I think commuting, they, they make a ton of sense. But beyond, so what you're saying is you're stealing energy from work. You're going to ride home, no, ride to work. A, it is a part they provide. I'm not stealing anything. <laughs> I'm not running an extension cord out the window. It's like, <laughs> well, it's going farther. My office has um, a solar power plant. 
Um, so it's no car charge at all. Get it from the sun. Oh, you're too fancy. Yeah. Wait, John, it, it's like three and a half miles to your work. So what does it matter? I know, right? I know, right? <laughs> you could like, skateboard. He, he could ride that thing for a month to his work and back. Right. <laughs> Have you ridden any electric, Mike, yet? Have you got on any of those? I, I have not. I have not. That's why I was very interested uh, when I, I heard that, uh, you know, that you had ridden one. Um, but, uh, no, I would I would love to. Um, but uh, I just, you know, I just haven't gotten, you know, the opportunity. And um, I guess what with uh, all this shutdown and stuff, you know, the opportunity to go to, uh, uh, you know, I know, I know Harley used to years ago, I'm not too far from the York plant. They used to have a big thing in September where you could go out there and you could ride all the bikes. Nice. I don't know. If, I don't know if they do that anymore, but, uh, you know, I mean, uh, if that was a possibility, I, I think I would, you know, I would love to ride the live wire. Yeah, I would say ride it. So, so bacon has ridden the production live wire. I rode the prototype and I've ridden a couple of uh, zeros. It's been a few years, but I have ridden a couple of those and, I'm curious now to to ride the new Energica, which is an Italian. It's an Italian-made electric bike, and they are they're the provider of the Moto E series, the electric uh, motorcycle series that's, that's running. So I'm curious okay. to try those. They're you know a little more sporty, more performance oriented. But yeah, I'd love to try one of those. I'd love to track one and see if we, see if you could get a day out of it. <laughs> right. You know, could could you get a 20 minute session and then charge it? in the next 30 minutes so that you could do your next 20 minute session. I'm not, I'm not, th- I think the diminishing returns on the battery are going to, going to end up you, having you sit out of session it. at some point. I think you'll overheat them too. Well, the, the energy apparently are, are tuned for like, like their thermals are, are a lot better. Kind of like what Porsche did for their, the Taycan or whatever they call it. You know, they worked a lot uh-huh. on the thermals for the, the battery and the, the motors and the engine, the management system and all that. So you can, you can flog it lap after lap without it basically limping itself home like the rest of them. Hmm. That could be cool. one, of, one of the things that I've, that I saw just recently that I think is, I mean, it remains to see, be seen if they can pull it off, but, uh, GM had, had, you know, this, this is in the, in the car world, but they had released that they're working on this platform where you know of course the batteries are in the in the in the bottom of of the of the vehicle mm-hmm. but supposedly they're setting this up and it's supposed to be configured where even if the battery technology does change because it's kind of a modular thing it's not going to outdate the vehicle it's uh-huh. not going to be the situations where i think they're running into today where like i think i don't know i think i was reading something where like the um the first generation leaf is like kind of orphaned compared to the newer one. Right. And I think the, I think the bolt is, is, is going down that path too. Um, whereas this, this isn't going to, it isn't going to be that way. So even if the batteries, uh, you know, uh, you know, change a great deal as far as, uh, the technology that they're still going to be able to be adapted into the old, which I think, which I think is a great thing, you know, instead of obsoleting things, you know, yeah, it'll be nice when a lot of this stuff gets modularized, I guess, if that's a word, where, like you said, <laughs> battery tech improves. Okay, we'll just, I've had the car five years, let's swap in the 
the latest gen battery and double my range and have my charging time or whatever, you know, or even the controllers like, well, the software has changed enough that you need new hardware and you just swap in a new board and, and off you go like stuff like that'll be cool. But yeah, you're, you're hundred percent right. Like having these things obsolete themselves in a couple of years and then, you know, you feel like you're driving a dinosaur. Like that's, I mean, that's for your early adopters. You have to just, you have to eat that as an early adopter. I think you just, you have to understand that's part of the, the game. Like technology, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, thank goodness for early adopters. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, even look at Tesla. Like we needed people to to keep buying these cars at a hundred thousand plus so that, you know, so that we can buy one for 50 or less. You know, we need, we need people to adopt it and move it forward. You hear that rich people? Keep buying electric bikes. Right. Keep buying the, the new live wire. So when version two comes out, you know, for 18,000, we can buy one. Oh, no, well, no, no. How- You're talking version three or four. <laughs> I, I can dream. Can I? <laughs> that's how technologies, even, you know, electric notwithstanding, that's how it's always worked out, especially in the automobile industry, because I can remember, you know, I, I hate to date myself when, when airbags uh, were, you know, a, a new thing, a big thing. And of course, at the time, the only thing they came in were luxury models. Yep. You know, I mean, uh, like with the Ford, you know, you, you had, uh, you know, airbags in your Lincoln. And, and nothing else, you mm-hmm. know, and then and gradually, you know, it would trickle down to like, you know, and within a couple of years, all cars had airbags, you know, same thing with ABS and on and on. Agree. So one thing I wanted to mention, and I, this is more up John's alley. I think John will have more questions as we go on with this one, but you mentioned some longer riding before. Have you done any like iron butt rides or just longer rides in general? I've, I've done... I would say probably the longest rides that I did, you know, and I really wasn't, you know, it wasn't like I was trying to do so many models. I mean, a short answer is no, I never, I never did any iron butts. Um, but I, I did some, I guess, you know, 600 mile days. Um, but, uh, a lot of it would have to do with how it fit into, to where I was going as far as like right. trips that I've taken. Um, I've, uh, probably the longest one was going down the, a couple of friends and I went down, uh, the length of the Blue Ridge Parkway. And of course we did, uh, you know, deals gap, you know, the dragon and, you know, that whole deal and all, but, um, you know, uh, we were mainly just going for, uh, the scenery and, uh, you know, different points of interest that we stopped. We, we stopped at a great, uh, Blue Ridge motorcycle campground. That was, that was one of the. Uh, the best places I've ever been as far as, uh, you know, being on the road on a motorcycle. And, uh, but, you know, I've, I've been to Americade a couple of times. I've been to Laconia, uh, mid Ohio. Um, trying to think some of the other places, mid Ohio uh, as in the vintage days. I've, I, yeah, I went to vintage days twice. Um, once, nice. once, once riding and, um, Norton, when Norton was the featured Mark, I trailered my Norton out. I, I wasn't about to try to make it all the way out there on my <laughs> Norton. Uh, but, uh, I've been to Daytona, but I, I, I trailered my bikes, uh, when I would take my bike there because I had a friend that lived in Vero beach and, um, you know, I, I, you know, as I alluded, I, I mainly was interested in the vintage racing, which at the time they would have on Monday and Tuesday. So, uh, we didn't, we didn't spend every day at the track. 
Uh, and I think that the twins race was on Friday cause that's what we'd like to see. So we would do other things. I mean, we, we went inland, we wanted to see the Sebring racetrack one time. We rode our bikes there. We rode to, uh, the space, space center. We, you know, took an airboat ride, different stuff like that. So, um, you know, uh, again, we, you know, we just didn't want to, we didn't want to ride all the way down there with all the stuff we were taking with us, especially being as we knew we were at the track every day. But, uh, um, so you've been, you've been to Sebring. You've also been to Daytona to watch car racing. Oh yeah. Yeah. Not, not car racing, just the motorcycle Motorcycle. racing. I've never, never seen, never saw car racing at, at, uh, at Daytona. Well, I'm curious because I, I want to get to Sebring and I, I know Bacon wants to go there. We also follow the IMSA series for sports cars, but I'm, just curious to how the racing, what, what's it like watching the racing at Sebring? It was, it was a long time ago and I was there once. The only memory that I have was this was, I think it was, it, they were doing club racing. I think at the time. Okay. So, um, you know, so you're, you're talking, this was like, I think high dollar club racing. These are guys that have enough money to have cars that most people would like be worried, very worried about banging into one another, and they're actually banging, <laughs> they're racing banging them. into one another. And I remember there was, there was one guy who, there was, there was a guy, he was stopped or stalled. And some guy just like, he just plowed right into him. He just, it was almost like he didn't oh, even geez. try to make the turn oh. and, uh, and they came to blows. So it was entertaining. And, uh, but that, that's the only thing I really remember about Sebring. Um, but, uh, so it was rowdy. Uh, nice. Other, other than it, it was, it was kind of like, I didn't expect it to be where it was because you're dry, you're riding inland and you're like, you know, I, I, at least from my experience of what Florida was like at the time, I don't know, it's probably a lot different, but yeah. you know, once you got away from the coast, you know, you were in country, oh, you yeah. know, a lot of farmland and, and that, and, um, all of a sudden it's like, you know, there's this sign and, you know, you go up and, Oh, here it is. This is the famous Sebring racetrack. Oh, okay. You know, <laughs> but, uh, the other, another, another thing we visited when I was there, um, Don Garlitz Museum of Drag Racing in Ocala. Nice. That's, oh. that's, that's, that's worth going to if you ever, ever get a chance in that area. Go ahead, John. No, no, I, yeah. Just talking about the drag racing. Yeah. And also, yeah. Traveling through there. Um, <laughs> I actually, two years ago went through the Everglade highway, which is going between, um, the Everglades and in the middle of the night. And it was real interesting. <laughs> wouldn't want to break down in there. No, nah, I, w- I would imagine. Wow. You could see, you could see blood spots on the ground where stuff's gotten killed and Ugh. yeah. <laughs> yeah stuff as in animals, hopefully. <laughs> oh yeah. It was animals and stuff. But, I mean, you wouldn't want to break down as far as we know. <laughs> Oh yeah, man! Just, yeah, it was no. forty. There was forty-one out of from Naples over to pretty much Florida City, Florida. Is where we were going, but yeah, through the through the Everglades. It was it was an interesting ride. It was an adventure. Well, we we got to go then. I guess as a group, we got to go to Mid Ohio then for the Vintage Days at some point. I know everyone it's says a, to go check it out. So it's a terrific track. It's, it's, it really is. It's, it's, there's so many different great vantage points to watch, um, the elevation changes and the turns. It's just, it, it's, a, it's a really great, it's a great track. 
Yeah, it's very, very interesting. I can still remember in the Legends race, I can't remember who the guy's, uh, what his name was, but he had suffered an accident and he lost um, one of his hands. Oof. And I forget who, you know, I, uh, you know, it was a long time ago. I forget his name, but this guy, his left hand, he, um, you know, I, I guess it was a mechanical hand and it was, he had it attached to the handlebar and with his right, he had the clutch lever moved over to the right mm-hmm. and he manipulated the throttle, the brake and his clutch lever with the right hand. And you know, I mean, these these road racers are, in my opinion, are like superhuman anyway, as far as what they can do with with motorcycles. And this guy was competitive. I mean, he's banging handlebars with Bruce, uh, uh, or Bruce, with um, Jay Springsteen and uh, nice. Gary Nixon and these guys. I mean, it was just Don Emdy. I mean, it was phenomenal. Uh, but uh, you know, I, vi- I vividly remember that. But yeah, it's it's definitely uh, you know uh, worth going, even if you just go for the racing. Very nice. Well, yeah, and on the alternative, then you need to check out Barber as well down in Alabama. That's a that's a good time as well. No, that's definitely on 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 my bucket list. I definitely uh, my 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 wife and I were actually talking about maybe doing a driving um, road trip because she's she's not a um, she's not a good pillion. So <laughs> you know, it's a I'll leave it at that. Um, <laughs> Four wheels for her. I get it. Yes. Yes. So yeah, but I wanted to get down there. I wanted to go to the, uh, the Corvette museum and the factory at Bowling Green because, uh, you know, I have a Corvette, I have an old Corvette, a 66 and I wanted to go to, um, more for her than me. I mean, we visited when we were down on our Blue Ridge trip, but, uh, the Biltmore estate, but I also wanted to go to the Wheels Through Time Museum there. And, and have you guys been, any of you guys been to that? John? Yes. John, you've been. Yes. Bacon, you've been, right? I have not. John was there. Yep. Awesome. I was. It's awesome. It's, um, as I talk about it, it's kind of like you go to Barber, the Barber Museum. It's like this major museum, right? You it's beautiful. All it's like an art beautiful, gallery. Yeah, art gallery. Now you go through Wheels for Time. It's like you walk in this guy's barn. And I mean, it's more elaborate than that, but it's just the decor. And this is like, it's not like an art museum. It's more like a display of bikes in a barn. And, and, you know, if you find, if I find Dale and you want, Hey, I want to hear some bike. He, he fires it up and starts it up uh, in the thing. And then there's also a, in a corner, he worked out with one of the past Harley, shop something like they sold the whole like shop to 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 dale the owner and he actually labeled everything and brought it to the museum and and you know put it back to how it was when they bought the place in a corner oh, which wow. is which is pretty neat to see so, so he, re- he recreated the dealership inside of his place yeah like the shop oh, wow the shop they had so yeah it's really cool to go see I, I highly recommend it if you're going to come down. And they're not um, just museum pieces. He actually runs every yeah. one of those bikes. Yeah, everyone in that bike actually runs. Yeah, he didn't he do a thing a couple of years ago where where I think it was in a a 24 hour period. He started each and every one of them. I think it was over a hundred bikes or something. Mm. I, th- yeah, I seem to yeah. remember that there was that. It was like a challenge that he challenged himself to do it, and he and he and he pulled it off. Yeah. I mean, it's really, that's what I kind of call it. So it's like the, you know, Barber's the art museum, but this, you know, 
Wilshire time is kind of like a barn, uh, a barnyard, you know, and there's gotcha. stuff in a corner that it's just, it's displayed nicely, but it's kind of like, you know, in a corner, he's got a bunch of parts just sitting there, you know, just collecting, sitting there probably yeah. on reason, but it's just the decor. Yeah. It's, it's the feeling is, is definitely different, but you know, not to take anything away from Barber because they said in the museum, they said over 90% of the bikes that they have on display, even though it looks like an art gallery and a, you know, like a high end museum, just with some fuel and some, just with fluids, they, most of them would run, you know, just, they sit in the building with no fluids in them, but they're all in running order for the most part. Oh yeah. Uh, I think, but I think the thing is with uh, wheels through time that he actually takes time to make sure each one runs for a little while yeah. every year and keep them running. That's the cool thing is they're not just sitting around rotting. Like, yeah, he, he should have like a he, he had that, a TV show. No, he yeah, should have an channel. event where like you fire them all up and do like a lap or something like like ride around the building. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like sell tickets. Like, hey, you can ride this bike, like you know, for a mile. That'd be fun. I, I, well, that'd be that that that'd be that'd be dangerous. I think be an insurance, yeah. be an insurance nightmare. But that's what makes it cool because you know it's impossible. That's what we're about anyway. Yeah, yeah. And in in actually inside of Wheels Through Time on the pavement, there is burnout marks from tires. Well, he's he, it's not all just like hundred year old bikes. Like he's got, yeah. he's got some newer bikes. Oh yeah, he does. There's actually one guy, um, in there that actually did talk about long distance, did the, the iron butt rally, which is 11,000 miles over 11 days, I think. Sure. And actually have the bike sitting there with the guy and how he had it all set up and just everything to make it so he could, you know. I'm crazy, but that's really crazy. I couldn't do 11 days of 11,000 miles a day. That's just crazy. Well, that's because you're old. Oh. Oh, geez. <laughs> but come on. We're all like the same age. Knock it off. Hey, I, you know, I, I, I probably I probably have many years on all of you, so, you know. Yeah. That's, an, that's well, another so, reason why I'm not doing any, any of those those long days anymore either. Yeah, when I was younger, there wasn't a problem, but uh, not anymore. Okay, well, I guess speaking of that, then, like, what are your kind of like your future planned rides then? Well, see, these days, and I think like, uh, um, you know what what Rich had alluded to, you know, earlier in the show. I mean, I most of my riding was commuting when I was still commuting back and forth to work. And, you know, even when before this, this COVID, the, the, you know, by one day that I would go in, I would ride the bike every chance that I had. Um, these days I pretty much just go out. Just, it's like, they're like head, I call them like head clearing rides. I mean, you know, because that's one of the great things I always loved about motorcycles was that, you, you know, you have to focus or you're going to be a statistic. So you just put everything out of your mind, you go out and you just enjoy the bike you know, you enjoy the, you know, the, the, the smells, the, the sound of the bike, um, you know, the feel of the bike, uh, you know, the road. Um, and I, I pretty much mostly just, just go out by myself. Unfortunately, a lot of the guys that I rode with, uh, for a long time, uh, they gave it up for one reason or another. They, you know, they became fathers and they were worried about being around for their kids or, 
one friend of mine, uh, his, his kid was going to a high-end school, and he needed every last dime he could for tuition. He sold his bike, never bought another one. Um, people oh. play, change jobs, you know, uh, on and on, you know, and I don't want to dwell on, you know, uh, some of the negative, but, you know, sometimes yeah. people have accidents and um, they decide they don't want to ride anymore. Um, but for whatever reason, I, you know, um, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much, uh, you know, the kind of riding I, I, I do these days, you know, but, but I'm, I'm still, I'm still out there, you know, I'm not, uh, it's not like I'm, you know, just going to throw it in because, you know, that, but, uh, and I get out, no. you know, with, with, you know, other friends whenever I can, but, um, well, and you got a sweet Corvette too. So, that well, helps. yeah, yeah, that because I mean, because I am an equal opportunity motorhead, you know, two years, two wheels or four, I mean, I have, you know, old cars are, are, are just like old bikes, only even worse because there's more things to go wrong. So, uh, you know, you, you have to spend time, you know, with them. And, um, I have, you know, friends in the car hobby too, that, you know, I help with theirs. And, um, so, you know, that, that's another thing that keeps me from maybe doing as much riding as, as I used to. Yeah. Uh, but that's what I tell my wife is like, you know, be thankful I'm into bikes and not cars. Cause they take up a quarter of the space so I can have more of them and spend less money. Oh, I, oh boy. <laughs> She's not buying I, it though. <laughs> I, I hear you. I, that's one of the ways I try to get some of my, my car friends interested in bikes. I try to tell them, I said, Hey, you know, b- bikes don't take up a lot of space, you know? I mean, you know, look at, look at all the space cars, especially when you take them apart. Yeah. You think, you think a car takes up a lot of space when it's by itself, take it apart. Oh Yeah. When I was oh, doing and then you're looking at power to weight ratio. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. I only need to buy two tires. Come on. <laughs> Not to mention they only last 200 miles, but come on. Who's counting? Three quarts of oil. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, fork oil. Like, it just fits in a little that's jug. That's total. That's total. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's total. <laughs> oh, that's good. It's good stuff. So, all right. Any uh, any other thoughts, John, or, or Bacon? I think... Um, the eight days a week is going to be good, so we do want to move on to that. That's I'm okay. okay with moving on to that. Okay, Johnny John, you good? You refreshed? How much? Now wait, how much, gentleman Jack, have you had? He's passed out. <laughs> He's on the floor. <laughs> He's gone. <laughs> Maybe he went to the bathroom. Oh, sorry, I muted myself. <laughs> <laughs> he was in the sure. bathroom. Sure, sure. <laughs> I, I am good to move on, and I finished off what was left in the bottle. Oh, you heard that slur. Oh, man. <laughs> it's going to get good. I'm all, all right. done. All right. Well, no more. I know Mike has a, a good list, and I, I think we're going we're gonna to spend a bit of time on that. So let's thank some people, and, and then we'll hop right into it. All right. For episode 186, we don't have any specific ones for this show, but I do want to thank the monthly supporters. That would be Tim, Kevin, Chuck, and Zion. Uh, thank you, fellas. That's our simple uh, value for value exchange. If you find some value in the show, then we appreciate a return for whatever you think is fair at uh, loudpipes.net slash donate. And you can join the list for 187. We are still sending stickers to one-time donations, $10 or more. And we still have the monthly option, which of course gets you into the clubhouse on Slack if you want to hang out over there. And if you want a free rental day, check out loudpipes.net slash twistedroad. You get a free rental day. We get a referral. 
we'll turn that into rentals that we review on the show and, and things like that. So again, loudpipes.net slash twisted road. Yay. Rich. What? What? What'd I do? Oh, you John's drunk. Another tire. Another tire. Yeah, sorry. Squeaked another one. Well, I'm going to give a teaser for the next show in that I talked about the hacksaw and we had some good fun about that on the last show. But I did buy another new exhaust system from eBay and we'll talk about it next show. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> oh no! That's all I'm gonna say. Oh God. no! <laughs> how many hacks? How many blades did you buy? Well, it's off to a better start. This one came from Italy. Let's we'll just leave it there. Okay. All right. <laughs> Italy for a Japanese bike. Great. All right, Mike is warmed up. He has a list. He's ready to go. And since you've you've owned a bunch of bikes in the past, you've ridden a bunch of bikes in the past. We're expecting this one will be exciting. All right. Just to remind everyone, our eight days a week is our ultimate garage. Money is no object. Seven things to ride, drive, pilot, skipper, whatever. And then, of course, a project. Hover. <laughs> yeah, hover, hang glide. I don't care. So, this, so, so I thought this was just bikes. That's uh, that's all I had was was a list of bikes. I didn't know it was cars too. Oh man, that's that would that would really complicate things. The cool guys do it as all bikes. Oh, oh, okay. oh, all right. Well, oh, I, I feel better about that. <laughs> Thanks. All right. Go I, ahead. I had a hovercraft right. so I could carry everything. <laughs> Cheater. Are you ready? Are you ready? I am ready. I'm keyboard ready. All right. Number one would be a 78 or 79 Ducati 900 SS, black and gold, you know, the old bevel drive twin. Like I said, with my uh, when I was talking about my Dharma earlier, this this would be the the mm. uh, the the sport version, and I think they only made the black and gold for two years. And although the the two tone blue one with the spoke wheel, some people say is worth more money. I just think those gold uh, Campagnola uh, magnesium, and they are real magnesium rims. Uh, they just really set the thing off. I, th- I think it's it's the most beautiful motorcycle I think that's ever been made, in my opinion, anyway. Oh, okay. So for for this list, we're gonna have to put links in the show notes for all these because oh, this is a cool looking bike. All right, it is, and, and that's it's the one with the mag wheels, not the spoke wheels, right? Yeah, like I said, the, the, some people like the, the you know if you look at like collector site and stuff like that, they'll think I think they'll say. The 75 or the 76 is worth more money, but I think they were only available. It was like a two-tone, like a light blue with with uh, with with dark blue stripes. And it, I mean, you know, uh, if if somebody wanted to give me one, I mean, I wouldn't complain. You know, but I just <laughs> yeah, of course, if I, have, if I have my druthers, I like the black and gold, and I think that was only made in 78, 79, and I and and by then they had gone to the mag wheels, which everybody else was going to too. But I think there's just something about the fact that they are real magnesium, um, you know, and the, they do say Campagnola on it. I just think it just goes with the bike. I'm seeing them up to 82, but I think this is a recreation. Okay. I, don't, I don't think this is original. 6,900. Wow. Okay. Way, it is beautiful. That's nice. I like it. 
Yeah, you guys have the advantage on me because I, you know, like I said, I don't have, I, my link is dead to work, so I'm, I'm, my internet is, uh, is done. But anyway, I, I know what it looks like. But so I'm glad, I'm glad you approve. That's a, there's a '78 here in red with the same gold wheels. That's just as nice, and it has like a, a kind of like a full body work on it. Oh, all right, bookmarking this one. All right, number two, '75 BMW R90s in Daytona orange. R90S, Daytona Orange for the win. And the nice thing is, as I type this, I can put it right into the search engine and get pictures. <laughs> that is nice. What year is that? 75. Well, they, they made them in 75 and 76. And 74 was the first year for the R90S, but I think it was only available in the Smoke Silver. Plus, in, in 75, they started uh, drilling the rotors, too, so they look better. Little cafe fairing on it, right? Yeah, the, this was bullet. like yeah. one one of the first. I mean, like not exotic like the Italians, where you know the, it was very very low production. This was like one of the first, just regular, you know, uh, production. Uh, uh, you know, I guess what you would call came to be called like sport bikes mm-hmm. before they were like full bodied, you know, full on right. things. Yeah, right. And the, and the Daytona orange paint is just the way that they uh, were able to like fade it in at the factory. It's 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 just a work of art. If that it is. wasn't for the Duc- Ducati, I think that would probably be my favorite. But <laughs> that, either way, it is pretty. Well, these so then your list is in a pecking order. Like number one is like the pinnacle. It sounds like. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> too as early it, to as tell. It, as, it, as it goes further down, not 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 really, but I mean, the, the number one is definitely number one. Nice. Okay. All right. Third one. Um, this would be. I think this bike was made from seventy-one to seventy-three and or seventy-four. And actually, I prefer the first year because you know, believe it or not, because it has a drum break. I think those old drums, those twin leading shoe drums, they were so huge. And of course, you know, even with all that, they didn't work as good as discs, but they're just so damn impressive looking, you know? Anyway, this <laughs> is a, uh, a Moto Guzzi V7 Sport Ooh. in green. V7 Sport, green, searching. Oh. DuckDuckGo says. Oh, oh, with the red frame. That's just like the new ones, right? Yeah. Or no. Only only the new ones aren't green. Wait, the red red frame is the new one. Yeah, right, I, I right. Mean, I'm saying they're not green. <laughs> they were available with a green tank, or else I think it was a it was like a dark tank. I think it was black. Um, but yeah, the, the, I I like the green. This this was the first Goodsey, I guess you would say, the first sporting version of of the twin. Because they had built the twin, and the first ones they built were like those. I don't know if you remember the like the Eldorados and the police bikes mm-hmm. that they built, and yep. they were big. You know, uh, this is when they they made an all new frame, and this was like the granddaddy of uh, the Le Mans's and the the V11s and all the things that came afterward. This was this was like the you know the ancestor to them. Do you know if if these were raced at the Isle of Man at the TT? Or were they out of it by then? I, I don't know. I don't know. I found a 73 in green where someone but made it, it into a sport racer, and it has a red frame. That is beautiful. 
Oh no, no, no. I found one. It's it, it has no fairing on it. Like this is like all original. Yeah, the originals didn't have a fairing. Yeah. Yeah, I'll send I'll send you a link to it. Return of the Cafe Racer. Oh, that's nice. Oh, this one has drum brakes. Oh, that's very nice. Yeah, could you imagine racing a bike with drum brakes? Pardon me? I'm just saying, could you, could you imagine racing a bike with drum brakes? Not very far. No, no. Like I said, they they don't work, you know, even, even when they went to all this, uh, you know, uh, uh, complications with, uh, they didn't work as good as disc, but they, like I said, they're, they're just impressive to me. That's all. Very nice. Wow. That's, that's three winners. And dare we go on to number four? Number four is a really, uh, you know, uh, a, a departure because this would be, I'm not, I'm not figuring a year because I think there were several years that, um, you know, would, you know, are appealing a, a late thirties, Harley knucklehead. Nice. All right. I, I always wanted a bike with a tank shift. One of my favorites. And the, the 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 Art Deco paint schemes that they had with with those, you know, depending upon the year, I like think I was looking at one uh, where it was like a blue, uh, with with tan uh, on the fenders, and um, you look at the emblem, and it's it's just you look at it straight out of the 1930s, and they just they, they just had a, to me the Indians are a little bit like with the chief, it's a little bit mm-hmm. too much, I think. Uh, I don't know. I, I just like the looks of, of, of the knucklehead. And it was a monument, you know, it was a really important bike, you know, historically, you know, for Harley, you know, yeah. going with the overhead valve, going with a pressurized oil system for the first time. That is nice. I still think it, at some point, I'm probably going to end up with a, a WLA or something. I know that's not a, a knucklehead, but I, I want an old bike. I need something. You mean, I will you mean save like, money. You mean the Flathead 750? Yeah, like the the, uh, the war era bikes. Yeah. Oh, there's no, there's nothing wrong with with those. That that's how a lot of the uh, the biker culture got started after the war because a lot of uh, returning GIs after World War II they they were buying those things for for a song uh, a war surplus. And then they started stripping off all the, you know, the heavy stuff. And the next thing you know, uh, you had choppers. Yeah, that's the ones. But I want one that looks like it's going to battle, though. Oh, okay. That's how that's how I want it. Very cool. Wow. So that's four. Number five. Okay, and, and another another uh, change in direction. A uh, '79 Yamaha RD 400 F Daytona Special. RD4F? RD400F, Daytona Special. This was the last cool. the last of the uh, Airhead Yamaha twins that were so dominant in the 1970s. I was going to say, I got to look that one up. Yeah, it's, it's a great-looking bike. It doesn't have a fairing, but it's a, it's, a, it's a great-looking bike. It's like white with a red stripe. Oh, that's nice. Yep. Um, Mag wheels. 30 mm-hmm. horsepower, it says. Yeah. Well, those, those bikes were like, you know, giant killers. I mean, they, they could hold their own against the, the, you know, the force, the inline four cylinder, four strokes. 
Oh, these are two air cold two strokes. Okay. Yeah, this is a two stroke. It's uh I mean they basically got legislated off the highway because of the emissions. Yeah. Um I mean <laughs> the, the 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 79 was kind of like Yamaha's last thing where like, you know, we're just going to we're just going to go out with a bang, you know, we're going to do everything we can. And, um, you know, it wasn't the end of the, of, of the two strokes because, uh, you probably remember the RZ 350, mm-hmm. which was uh, liquid cooled and it had uh, catalytic converters on it. Um, a friend of mine, uh, had one of those, but I don't know, just the simplicity of the, uh, the air cooled motor and, uh, all the history that had to do with like the race versions of those. Um, I, I, I never got a chance, you know, to, uh, I rode my buddy's RZ, but I never had a chance to ride one of the air cooled ones. And it's just something, you know, that I've always wanted. Yeah. My I mean, buddy, I wouldn't turn, I wouldn't turn in a nice RD three fifty either, but my buddy, Robert had, uh, it, it's not air cooled, but he had a water Buffalo Suzuki water Buffalo. I remember them yep. two stroke, three cylinder, just a crazy bike. And he, he got it all running and sold it. I was like, what? <laughs> Anyway, it's, it's funny to talk about a bike because, because that's exactly what, you know, everybody called him that, you know, today, just about all bikes are liquid cooled, you know, but back then it was such a, you know, an aberration. Yeah. It's the water Buffalo. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the name. Like you can just search Suzuki water Buffalo and you'll just find tons of them. Very cool. All right. We're on to six. All right. Now the next, can these be bikes you already own? Certainly, yeah, it's your it's your garage. Okay, well, it would have to be my Norton Commando. And that was what year again? It's a 71, and the thing about my Commando is, like, black and gold was the common color scheme with those, but mine is, is a color that was called Signal Orange. Huh. And uh, it's, it's not a very common color, but it's the original color. And... Um, I, I always, I remember when I was a kid, my parents had just divorced and we were living in an apartment and there was a guy that lived in an apartment in, in, in one of the other apartments in the complex. And he had one, uh, exact color. And I could just remember seeing that thing as a kid and, and, and listening to it. And, uh, he would take his girlfriend out for rides on the thing. And, um, I don't know, it was just one of those things that just stuck in my mind. You know, this was long before I was, you know, in any way, shape or form into motorcycles. And then, uh, one day, uh, just how long ago this was, this was, this predated the, this was back in the, in the day when you bought things out of the classified section in the back of the newspaper, (laughs) there was an advertisement for one of these things and it wasn't too far away. And, uh, it was like on a Sunday morning, I'm reading the, the, the Philadelphia Inquirer and I see this thing and my wife, bless her heart. She says, why don't you go look at it? Why don't you call the guy? Oh, wow. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, uh, really? She says, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I went and I, and I bought it that day. I mean, once I saw it, you know, and it, it needed some going through, um, you know, uh, the fork bushings were so bad they had scarred the the the, the fork hmm. so i had to put new tubes on uh not just you know uh, bushings and seals um and you know really go through the thing cables and a lot of other stuff but um it, it was just a it was a blast to ride that's cool that's cool i did find one in orange on a website 71 signal orange roadster yeah they're they're not they're not very common and again, you know, I, I, 
I guess I must, you know, must think I'm a Luddite. You know, it's got the drum break on it again. So. <laughs> now, now Norton did make. They made like I think it was like a brace that was supposed to strengthen and, and I think keep the shoes better aligned on the drum. And um, I bought it, but I I just never got around to putting it on. But I have it. You probably can't even get it anymore. <laughs> yeah, some of these parts, right? They're getting getting hard to find this stuff unless you find somebody that's got some some new stock left over or making them. Somebody could be making them, I guess. Well, the good thing about a lot of the the uh and and it was the same with the Italians too. A lot of the British stuff, unlike the Japanese where they would, you know, change stuff so often, um, you know, a lot of the the British stuff it was pretty much the same for like year after year after year. So, uh when it came to you know, time for like an aftermarket company to tool up for something, you know, there was a, a, at least, you know, that you're used to be anyway, there was a decent amount of bikes that were still out there that, yeah. you know, these parts would fit. So, you know, it made economic sense. Yeah. I'm, I'm running into that now. I have a, I have a first generation R6, which is my track bike. And the first generation was from 99 to 02. And then they changed a few things from like 03 to 05, and then in 06 it changed again, and then in 08 it changed to what is kind of the modern one, and they didn't change it again until just recently. So in those first few generations, like every couple of years, they changed the bike. So it's it's getting very hard to find to find parts for this thing, and now being 20 years old. So I I hear you. A friend of mine had uh, one of the first. Uh kawasaki ninja 600s and this guy um he he doesn't know his own strength and he was we used to tease him all the time because he was always great for stripping things because he would just tighten stuff like you know like grill everything yeah and he he was adjusting his valves one time and he and he stripped out you know the the adjusters Ooh. and he he had to wait weeks to get to get new parts from his dealer weeks yeah, well, at least you can find it. I would wait weeks if I could find the parts. Oh wow! Well, well, this this was this was quite a few years ago, so I imagine it's gotten even worse since then. I mean, stock parts are okay. I'm finding pretty much anything I've I've broken or found that I wanted to replace from a stock perspective. I've been able to find it, but it's more the aftermarket. It's like I put new steering head bearings in it, and now it it turns a lot better, but it's a little twitchy. So I'm thinking, well, maybe I'll put a steering stabilizer on it. Well, good luck finding one, right? Like <laughs> for, oh, wow. for a 20 year old bike that they only built for three years and then they changed it and then they changed it again two years after that. Like, Oh wow. Yeah. Mm. So I have found one, but I really don't want to spend $500 on it. So. Wow. That is, that is salty. Yeah, that is salty, but brand new. They still have them. Okay, that's what? That's six. So we need one six. more for the list and then a project if you have it. All right. The The next one is also a bike that I have. And this is another bike I bought out of the classified of the newspaper. <laughs> uh, and it sits in my garage. It's kind of like an ornament right now. It's one of those, like, I'm going to get to it one of these years. It's a 68 Triumph Bonneville. Oh, nice. I love those. I I like the 68 model because... It was like a one-year-only paint scheme with the tank. 
you know, a lot of people I've seen the way they were like, you know, years before and years after with like kind of like the scallop that goes from the Triumph emblem and kind of goes back. The 68 is a lot plainer. It's just like a uh, red with like a silver stripe down the center and it's got the Bonneville script on, on one side of the top of the tank. You know, it's a, it's a kind of a simple, but it was a one year only thing. Hmm. Um, Nice. And it was also the first year they went to, I think, the twin leading shoe uh, uh, drum. Drum break. Yeah. I was waiting yeah, for there it is. drum break. Got that drum break. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the bike, it doesn't even have 4,000 miles on it. I mean, I I think I've owned it for like 25 years. One of these days, you know, when I when I have, maybe, maybe when I retire, that's when I'm going to get a chance to get to it. Oh, it doesn't really, it doesn't really, you know, I mean, it's had, to, and that has to be all going through, yeah. but as far as replacing any of the parts, I mean, the pipes are still in great shape, the tank, everything. So it's, it's not like I'm going to have to spend a, a ton of money on them. According to some specs I'm looking at, they're showing 50 horsepower for that thing. <laughs> That's not bad. That means it only weighs 380 pounds according to this. Not bad. Yeah, they were they were they were like they they were like that's the thing that they had going for them. They they didn't make a lot of power, but they uh, um, they were light and they handled well. I had a chance to ride the modern classic, the the Bonneville Bobber, about a year ago, year and a half ago, maybe it was now. But I think if if I was to buy one today, I'd probably buy the Thruxton R. I really like that. I like the looks of that and the upgraded parts. Looks nice. I like that, and I like the. Um, I like the I like the looks of the scrambler, the street scrambler, not mm-hmm. the one, not the new one that they have, not like the big twelve hundred ones, yeah, no, but the the regular street scrambler. I, I I like that too. Yeah, that's a nice bike. I think John likes those too. Of all the bikes we've ridden and looked at, I know he really was digging the bobber and and he rides a spider, so the two wheel stuff kind of puts him to sleep. But I think he likes the bobber. Yeah, I do. Wasn't that your pick? Like out of all the bikes. When we were doing yep. something, you picked a bobber. I did. It's a cool bike. Cool bike. Awesome. That's an awesome list. Now, what about uh, a project? Do you have something that you might want to work on? All right. This is, th- this is out of left field. I would like to have this as a project just because I would like to see the engine inside. Mm. This is a Honda NR750. Mm-hmm. Ooh. There you go. I was I was an I was a, a an automotive machinist for many years. So I I rebuilt a lot of engines. And we did we did quite a bit of motorcycle machine work on twins. We didn't we didn't have the we didn't have the tooling and the stuff to work on fours because the valves were just way too small and stuff like that. But I mean we did heads for Harleys, Triumphs, Nortons, BMW, stuff like that. And we did the cylinders and whatever. But this, you know, as as you guys probably know, this was the oval piston bike. Yeah. Exactly. I, as I, soon as I you said just, it. <laughs> I would just love to see, you know, I mean, nobody, nobody can do engines like Honda. I mean, they, it's, you know, they're just, I mean, the, the, the story that was that, you know, uh, Soichiro Honda didn't like two strokes. And that's one of the reasons why, like, if you go back, you know, uh, all the old Hondas were all fours when, you know, Yamaha, Suzuki, Kawasaki was all, all two strokes. Still running twos. Yeah. Um, but you know, when it came to, uh, formula one racing, you know, it got to the point where the four strokes were no longer competitive and Honda, what they had always, 
uh, done was their their formula for success was always multiple cylinders. Mm-hmm. Like uh, one of the things I used to love at Vintage Days is when uh, uh, you know Team Moneybags, Team Obsolete would you know come down and they would have. Uh, you know, one of their latest things and they would run it around the track. And I, re- I still remember the sound of the Honda 256 cylinder oh. going around the bowl in Daytona. What a sound coming out of 250 cc's. We got a, a clip shriek. of that somewhere. Oh my God. But anyway, Honda, by that time, I think Formula One rules said that there can only be four combustion chambers. <laughs> so Honda looks at it and goes, hmm, okay, well, we'll basically make an eight-cylinder bike into four cylinders. Yeah. So we'll have this these oval pistons and we'll have eight valves, you know, but it, it, it worked. I think it worked better in theory than it did in practice, but still, you give, I give them credit for trying. Oh, this is, okay, so I, I knew this had oval pistons, but I had forgot that this is actually a four, but really it's... right. You've got the valves of an eight. Right. That that was the whole thing. Holy try cow. To, try to get around, you know, the ruling with, oh, we, you can only have four combustion chambers, meaning four cylinders. Okay. I can, yeah, I can relate a little bit. Displacement. My, my daily ride is a VFR, so I can relate a little bit, but that's only four. That's not near as crazy as this. wonder what these are worth nowadays. I couldn't imagine. I think they only built, if I'm not mistaken, I think they only built a certain amount of production ones just so they could, what is it? What do they call it? Homologation? Yeah. Know, just yeah. It was, you know, they could run the thing. Let's see. Here's one for sale. I don't know if this is a modern, let's see. This might be outdated. I'm trying to find one for sale just to get a quick, quick little price here. Oh, it says sold. No, where? give me a price. Come on. Give me a price. <laughs> just says sold. Thanks. I get it. But how much? Let's see here. Look that, zero mile. Look at that rear wheel too. Let's see here. I got a zero mile NR750 for sale. Let's see here. Oh, fi- trying to find it. I don't even think they're going to put the price on it. I think that's up for auction. Oh, they're saying in euros, it's at least 100,000. Holy cow. Oh, forget it. <laughs> I'll, bet, I'll bet you Barber has one. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. You, you, you will be floored when you go there. Like I said, even if you don't go to the vintage festival, just go down and check out the museum You spend all day there. Probably spend two days there as far as that goes. When is the vintage festival? It's uh, early October. Columbus Day weekend. Oh, okay. It's every year Columbus Day weekend. So it's Columbus Day is the ninth. Same weekend as our tenth and eleventh is the holidays actually on the twelfth, and they actually do vintage AMA racing there too, as you probably know. Yeah, yeah, I know. And, they, I know they have a track, but I, I, I was not aware of like all the different kinds of of racing they that they have. Like I was telling Rich uh, earlier, uh, my brother in law is a Mercedes tech. Uh, he lives in Florida, and I know Mercedes had uh, like a week long school you know they they send them to school on a regular basis and and uh one time the school was at the at at barber nice you know i don't know why but that's where it was but yeah it's getting bigger and bigger the racetrack is nice they run uh they run their indy cars moto america runs there um 
Porsche mm-hmm. ha- Porsche has a racing school there as well. So it's pretty cool. Plus the museum year round. It's a great time. And we're not going to make it this year because of our meetup, but maybe we should go next year. Fellas, what do you think? About a year and a half out? Time to go back? Here we, here we go. Already talking about it. Where's the clinks, by the way? T- too, too early to plan, Rich. <laughs> And we're we're like we're like four or five clinks back anyway. It's never too early to plan. I've I've bought tickets for the Isle of Man. It's a year away, so it's not too well, early. Oh, you're well, you're going to the Isle of Man next year? Yes, sir. Wow. Well, I don't know if I'm. I don't know if I actually make it. I mean, with how crazy the world has gone, but I have some reservations. <laughs> you know, I have a room and I have a ferry to get there, and some reservations about going. Wait, <laughs> no, I have no reservations <laughs> about going. <laughs> A friend of mine and I at work were talking about, uh, we had been thinking about this year, but of course we're going to have to put that off, but to going to the, uh, the Goodwood Festival of Speed. Yeah, that'd be fun. Oh, uh, did, did you, did you guys see the video of, uh, I can't remember his name. This, this was within the past couple of years. There was, uh, I think he was an Aussie. He rode for Ducati, and I think he either won the superbike title or the. Anyway, he was he was on the 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 track. He was racing a pre-war supercharged BMW. Okay, hardtail, the whole thing, tank shift. Yikes! And they had him in a class where he was racing against post-war, like British singles, like the Norton Manx, and I guess. BSA gold stars or whatever. Yeah. And he was riding the wheels off this thing. I mean, the British <laughs> announcers were just going nuts with the, the time that he was making up on these guys, you know, riding this old BMW. I think this was something out of the 1930s. And I remember when he finally caught the, the lead, the race leader who was on a Max Norton, no, no slouch of a bike itself. He comes up and as he goes by, he taps him on the shoulder Oh no! and the, and the guy, the guy on the Max is just like, he just kind of shakes his head. Like, you know, I kn- he knew he was coming and there was nothing he could do about it. I mean, he was riding the wheels off that bike too, but I, it's, it's, a, it's a great video if you can find it. Is this Troy Corser? Yeah, that's him. That's okay. him. Yep. Yeah, I found the video. It says, uh, I'll just, I'll save this one, put it in the show notes. Yeah, it says two-time Superbike champ Troy Corser on the edge lap at Goodwood. Ride it like you stole it. It's the first comment. <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> <laughs> that's going in the notes right there. All right. That's awesome. What, what a list, Mike. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, thanks. For, you know, I'm glad you, you uh, I mean, sometimes, you know, you, you know, bikes that appeal to you and you tell them with other, to other people and they're like, well, yeah, but you know, Hey, the thing I've learned most about doing this, this eight days a week segment and, and credit to Sir, Sir Mike, it's his idea originally uh, from our clubhouse. And the the thing I always appreciate is I, I learn about older models, but I, I learn about different styles and how many of these old bikes that I actually like. So I pull up the picture and it's like, oh yeah, that's really cool. Or I've seen one of those before and I didn't know what it was called. And it's, it's a learning experience as well. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. I hate to be, uh, you know, an old fart and not, not list any, any new bikes, but, uh, I don't know that that's just, you know, I I have nothing against new bikes. And like I said, I would, if I was thinking about buying one, I think I would want to check out those Enfields or maybe, uh, you know, uh, uh, the new, uh, uh, triumph scrambler, but, uh, I don't know. I, I just, 
if some, I'm the type of person where like, if somebody said, well, here, here's a hundred thousand dollars. I, I wouldn't be going out and buying the Porsche, the new Porsche, the Ferrari or the Corvette. I'd be thinking, oh, wow. How many old bikes and cars can I buy with that? <laughs> yeah. I can have a barn full of old motorcycles. Yeah. That's a good idea. All Sorry right. For old barn finds. I guess we'll go around the table real quick. Brother Bacon, any uh, final thoughts or questions? Um, I can't think of really anything, any final questions. I mean, it's definitely been enjoyable talking with you. Well, I, it's, it's, I've had a great time, uh, you know, especially being as this is my, uh, the, the first time I've ever done uh, a podcast. I, I've, I've had a great time talking with you guys. Very nice. Very We're nice. first. <laughs> and and Johnny John, if you haven't drowned in the bottom of the bottle, <laughs> no, I'm still here enjoying the show. Let's listen to Mike share his wealth of experience and knowledge from all his years of riding and the variety of bikes. I I really like that, and that's we talked about that in in the little pre call. Is like you know you hear the name Loud Pipes, and you might be thinking, oh, you know, it's all Harley crowd, but you know we really do like it all. There's all different bikes, all different makes and styles, like. It's all good stuff to us. I really like as well with Mike here that um, it's not all like it's all trip riding or all this track or anything. His majority of stuff was commuting. Yeah. It's like bikes. I like bikes. I like to ride. And and that's awesome because just regular people don't always get to go out on trips and stuff. It's day in, day out. So that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I've done trips, but I just haven't done I haven't done them in a while. And and like I said, a lot of that had to do with the fact that uh, just a lot of the guys I used to ride with, you know, kind of like you know, giving up or moving away or whatever. And then you know, you're not you're not you know, it's no fun to do these things those things by yourself. But uh, you know, I mean, I enjoyed the, the trips that I made. Uh, uh, you know, going to the different you know racetracks and events and things like that and all. But I just don't get the opportunity to do it. As, you know, as, as much anymore. And you're right. A lot of people, you know, they, they never get a chance to do any of that kind of stuff, which, which is a shame, but you know. Yep. All right. Well, aside from motorcycle ID, any other places to find you? Do you on social media or anything? I am not. No social media. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of, uh, uh I, I don't know. I don't, I don't have anything against it. I'm just, um, I don't know. You're I, old school. Just, <laughs> you yeah well you can probably you you, you probably figured that out uh, you know probably about a half hour ago that was you know yeah i'm very <laughs> i'm i'm very uh very old school i'm i'm not on facebook or or twitter or anything like that i mean uh you know i mean uh i i do you know email and you know stuff like that and all but no i'm not i'm not on i'm not on facebook sorry yeah it's it is waning for me i know uh bacon does most of our like Instagram and, and Facebook posts and things like that. But it's, it's really fading for me. I just, I'm not getting a lot out of it. I mean, I use, I mainly keep Facebook cause I have some relatives and friends that that's like their only way to reach me. So I keep it for that. But other than that, I'm really not, it's just not engaging anymore. There's too much stuff I don't like, I guess is what it is. Trust me. If it wasn't for podcasts and stuff like that, I probably wouldn't even have my, any of my social media anymore yeah just shut it off i mean it's good promotion for the show it's good to connect with people that listen that you know would if you don't want to feel the thousand emails it's nice to just get that quick connection there but 
Yeah, other than that, I'm not using it a whole lot. So, all right. So, yeah, we'll encourage people to check out Motorcycle ID. I've certainly been on the site and uh, looked things over and have a couple of parts in the bin. Actually, you've got a windshield on there I was looking at for my interceptor that I've had my eye on for a while. So, I have that sitting in the cart thinking about it. Okay. I was a little taller, not a, like a super touring windshield, but just, you know, a little bit taller, I think would be nice. Yeah, so I was actually the, looking at it. I'm oh, sorry. Go yeah, ahead. No, yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, no. The height of a windshield it, it can make all the difference in, in the ride. I know I changed the one up on my uh, my Road King, and it made a big difference. Yeah, if I could just push it over the helmet a little bit, I think it would be a lot quieter, even if it doesn't do much. But the air that comes around the helmet is is quite noisy. So I'd like to change that a little bit. <laughs> what are you laughing about, Bacon? Oh no! That, you just saying the wind going around your head was kind of noisy. Uh huh. Uh-huh. As if you don't talk to me at all. Uh huh. <laughs> nice. <laughs> all right, events, real quick. I just want to add one to the pile here. So, uh, my son Bryce and I are going to go to Motor America Superbikes in Atlanta. That'll be July thirty first through August first. Uh, or actually, I think it's the second, August second, three day event. So we'll be checking that out. Uh, Johnny John, The Riding Fool, and a bunch of others are going to go to Sturgis here in August. You're still going, right, John? Yep. Got announced uh, this past week that they are having it. it. The the city of Sturgis is not canceling it. They are modifying it. And the modifications are pretty much a lot of the big events are going to be canceled so they don't promote social or large crowds. So... And if the numbers go up, the mayor just can't cancel it. All right. Okay. And then big news coming up, the fifth annual MPC, the Motorcycle Podcaster Challenge. There will be news coming out about this very soon. John and I are about done with the rules for this year. We'll get that cranked up, and there'll be lots of MPC chatter here in the next couple of weeks and months. The, yeah. We, were we up to 10 pages there of the rules? Oh, at least. At least. I mean, good God. I mean, they, they these people complain about the rules, so we try to cut them down, but yeah. can't cut them down much more, man. Reading is hard. The Loud Pipes meetup will be October 9th through the 12th, which is the same weekend as Barber. And no, I don't have my sound effect. That will be in Teleco Plains, Tennessee. Come one, come all, come join us. It'll be fun. And then June 2021, as I talked about it earlier, I'll be at the Isle of Man TT, hopefully with Brother Hogan in tow. And if not, it'll be fun either way. All right, Mike, appreciate you hanging out. Enjoyed the conversation, and uh, hopefully we'll see you in the future here at some point. I'd love it if you had me back. I had a great time. Awesome. All right, Johnny John, time to put the kickstand up? Yeah, let's roll. All right, bacon. All right, let's do it. Good night. Good night. Good night. Michael Dios.